All right, church, as I just foreshadowed, uh, tonight's speaker for joint prayer meeting is Pastor Christian Lee. He's the lead pastor, New Philadelphia Church. Thank you. All right. Good evening, everybody. All right. It's good to see everyone here. Uh, if this is your first time joining us tonight. Welcome. It is a prayer meeting. So we had a lot of prayer because that's what we should do at a prayer meeting. Amen. We should be praying. So we should not be surprised that we pray at a prayer meeting. All right, let's turn to First uh, Peter chapter four, verse seven. And I just want to share tonight. I just want to share tonight about something very important that took place this past week. First Peter four seven. In the NIV, it reads, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Turn to your neighbor, tell them the end of all things is near. I was reading this chapter in my quiet time the day after... The death of Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il. Right? In Korean, it's actually Kim Jong-il. For people who didn't know. And as I was reading this passage, this, uh, the Lord just kind of highlighted this verse for me. And in specifics, in specific to North Korea, it felt like the Lord was saying, the end of all things as we know it in North Korea is near. And that the, the passing of Kim Jong-il is a sign on to us. That indeed, that God is bringing an end to a ruthless, ruthless <laughs> wicked regime. Probably one of the most wicked in the world. He's bringing that to an end. Monday morning this past week, I was on my way to a family lunch. And I heard on the radio that the president of North Korea, Kim Jong-il, had been confirmed dead. And he had actually died, not on Monday, he died on Saturday, December the 17th, of a heart attack on a train ride. When I heard the news, I got excited as I thought about what this would mean for North Korea. And I also began to think about our joint prayer meeting here. For the last three years, as you guys know, we have been meeting a third Saturday of every month for the last three years. Faithfully sowing in our prayers to destroy demonic strongholds that we see here on this Korean Peninsula. Especially the strongholds we see in North Korea. And I thought about also uh, New Philadelphia. My church, we did a 21-day fast in 2010 where we had pretty much the whole church fasting for 21 days straight, 130 people fasting 21 days straight, 
We did all night prayer meetings during that month in June of 2010, where we continually lifted up prayers for North Korea to open up. And, and uh, on the last night of the 21 day fast, we re- I really felt a shift where the Lord began to declare it is done. And I remember I got an image that made me cry, which doesn't happen a lot. But I got an image of North Korean people coming forth and saying, thank you. Thank you, white person, for praying for us. <laughs> now, seriously, they were just thanking and thanking and thanking. I just, all I said was, I just, I just see North Korean people, and I just feel like they're saying, thank you. And then I just start crying, and people, other people start crying. I was the only one. It was, it was a holy moment. But there was something that broke. And I remember, I remember that night. I also remembered all the uh, prayers that are prayed by the North Korea prayer meeting that John Michael leads every single Friday. Uh, he meets with a, a small group of people that are committed. And they've been praying every single week for North Korea for the last, I don't know what, close to four years, three years, three years. Also, I thought about my own personal prayers and fasting that I poured into North Korea since 2003, 2004. This is when the Lord awakened me to what's really happening in North Korea. And you know what? For me, personally, it's been seven years of sowing in prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And it just seemed like it would never end. I mean, if you pray for seven years for something, and you're praying against some kind of demonic force, and for seven years is resisting you, seven years you see no signs of breakthrough, it seems like it's never going to end. But the Lord continually gave us assurances that he was hearing our prayers. And then on finally, on this past Monday, I hear that Kim Jong-il has finally died. Now, he, he died, when was he, like 69? He was like 69, right? His, his father was a lot older when he died. I mean, he could have died 10 years from now, 15 years from now. But why now? Why here right before the year ends of 2011? Why on the year of transition where God is transitioning not only the body of Christ, not only the business mountains, but he's transitioning entire nations from the old into the new? Why now? Why did you die right now, Kim Jong-il? You had one too many Twinkies? Why now? He died of a heart attack. I mean, he should have watched, you know, maybe he should exercise more. I don't know. But, you know, it's all God's timing. Now, I, I told you that I got excited. But you know what? I got excited. But I couldn't celebrate. Rather than celebration, I felt reticent. That's a fancy SAT word for um, restrained. I felt restrained. I felt silent. felt like I couldn't really speak up about it. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem with rejoicing when wicked dictators die. 
And if you ever lived under a wicked dictator, you might just rejoice as well. All right. I don't, you know, if you're an Arminian, I'm sure that you pray for Kim Jong-il's, you know, salvation. And you were hoping that he, somebody would evangelize to him. And some of you may even believe that he's, he, maybe he prayed a sinner's prayer right before he died. Well, he had a heart attack, first of all. All right. So there was no like deathbed moment for him. He went. One moment he's alive, one moment he's gone. All right. If you're Arminian, you may have been actually praying for him to get evangelized and converted. God bless your heart. God bless your heart. I think you're very generous. All right. But, you know, as a, as a Christian that reads the Bible, I'm, I'm not saying you don't read the Bible. But I'm just saying, if you read the Bible, you read it well, there is room for a person to embrace and rejoice at the fall of the wicked. Just read through the Psalms if you have a problem with that notion. And if you've ever been at the hands of a wicked person, all right, you'll quickly change your stance. You've lived a nice, good life. Nobody's ever been evil to you. All right, but try living under the hand of a wicked person. Try getting robbed at gunpoint. Try getting beaten for no reason at all. All right? And you will have no problem being able to rejoice when a, when a man, not just wicked, but a man who has systematically oppressed, tortured, killed, and systematically perpetuated famine in his own people, with his own, with his own nation for years after years. Some people estimating between 2 to 5 million North Koreans died from the years of 2003, 2003 to 2005, 2006, something like that. Two to five million people dead. All right. And so, you know, as you guys, as my church people know, you know, I, I have a theology that embraces that sometimes God sets apart people for good purposes. Other times he hardens them and lets them go their own device. And he may actually make them right for judgment. You know what I mean? And so you don't have to embrace that. I'm just saying, don't judge Christians that may rejoice at the fall of the wicked and think that you're biblical and they're not. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you're not actually correct. And maybe they're not either. But both views are coming from the Bible is what I'm saying. And you might think yours is more noble because you're more generous because you, you would actually believe and pray for somebody like Kim Jong-il to come to Christ. But here, here's, here's an idea. Maybe God doesn't want Kim Jong-il to come to Christ. Maybe God actually wants him in hell and wants him to be punished for all of eternity for the things he's done. Okay, now let me get away from my theology discussion here because this is all speculative. We don't really, really know. When we get to heaven, we'll find those answers out. All right, but here's the thing with Kim Jong-il, right? I couldn't celebrate. I was reticent. And during the, my quiet time the next day, I kind of realized why it was not appropriate to celebrate. Number one, it's because North Korea is not truly free yet. And in fact, I'm going to share a little bit later, we're hanging in the balance right now. We're at a crucial time. If, if you think this is the victory, all right, you're off. Okay? This is the first sign of the victory, but there's still a lot of battles to be won. You know, when the, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River and went into the promised land, it wasn't time to celebrate and be like, victory, victory. It was just the first sign of the victory. 
It was the first sign of God's deliverance. North Korea is not truly free. But secondly, the Lord gave me by revelation that although Kim Jong-il's death is the first sign that North Korea's doors will finally open, what is proper next is not celebration, but mourning. Grieving. Um, it's like this. The bully, the murderer is finally gone. And until now, in North Korea, mourning was not allowed. If they killed off your family because they were suspecting that your family was, uh, uh, you know, in, indicted of treason, whatever, and they killed your family in front of you, you could not mourn. You could not go and do a proper burial. Mourning and grieving is not allowed. But now that Kim Jong-il is finally gone, it's like this. It's like being in a fugitive, uh, it's like being in a hostage situation. And your family members are being held hostage. And the, uh, the, the criminal, they torture, he tortures your family in front of your eyes. And then kills one of your sons. And then a crazy sniper, like, kills the criminal. Criminal's dead. And it's only after the criminal is dead that you're able to properly mourn over the death of your son. Because as long as you're in that hostage situation, there's too much tense. There's just too much tension. You can't mourn the death of, you can't mourn the fact that your family got tortured. You can't mourn. But now that that, that murderer, this this horrible dictator, Kim Jong-il, now that he's gone, the mourning can finally begin. And, you know, I do believe that a secession with his son is, is very unlikely. All right. And I think all, all, a lot of the experts are right on. I just, I just don't think. Uh, and so the latest announcement, if you guys heard, is that actually he's going to share power with his uncle and with the military. All right, that's the first sign onto us that this secession is not going to happen. And if you know anything about North Korean history, the Chuche ideology is set up with the father, son, and the Chuche spirit. They took the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. Kim Il Sung took that doctrine, and he forged the counterfeit because Kim Il Sung uh, he grew up in a Christian home, right? He took that and made a counterfeit. And so this father-son Juche ideology, this, this idea, there's no room for another guy to come in and say, I'm taking over. Okay? Kim Il-sung didn't think ahead that far. All right? And so I'm just telling you right now, my, that's, my, that's my hunch. A secession is not going to go forward. All right? The, the, the powers of North Korean government is going to get weakened really quickly. And they're going to start looking for help. All right. And so, I mean, that's all my personal opinion. You don't have to take that. All right. You don't have to take that. But but let me share with you right now. We're coming to a time where we ought to mourn for the decades of oppression and death that happened in North Korea. We ought to mourn for the tens of thousands, maybe some people say hundreds of thousands that have been trapped in concentration camps. A lot of them dying in these concentration camps. Never make it through the winter. Because the winter will kill you. It's so cold up there. Uh, the millions that have died in self-perpetuated famine. 
Get this straight in your head. Flooding did not kill millions of North Koreans. A drought did not kill millions of North Koreans. We live on the same peninsula. We go through similar weather patterns. There is flooding here in South Korea. We don't have millions of people die. There's droughts here in South Korea. We don't have millions of people die. It was all systematically self-perpetuated by Kim Jong Il. At least when Kim Il Sung was alive, they tried to do the distribution. All right, but once he was gone, Kim, Kim Jong Il didn't even care. He just wanted. He was looking out for himself. If you read this book, uh, I forget the name of the book. Uh, it's a pretty accurate book, by the way. All right, it's a good book. Can't remember the title right now. I have it at home. Uh, it talks about how Kim Jong Il actually has mansions all over North Korea. He has these nice estate homes where there are hundreds of employees, really pretty girls. You know, he has like every luxury car in the world. He imports it. He has the best like liquor in the world. He imports it. The best cigars in the world. I mean, he spends like he'll drop fifteen thousand dollars on like a cigar. All right, and he just stocks he stocks it in all these mansions, and that's where he goes and he has his pleasure. He goes and he has his good times. He goes hopping around these mansions. I mean, he really could just use one, but he he has like I don't know four or five, and satellite pictures confirm it. Most of the year, there's not much activity, but when he arrives, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's been known to kidnap movie directors. You know that, right? And you know what? I bet he's kidnapped. There's a lot of Japanese people North Korea has kidnapped. All right, and they haven't made proper apologies for that. I mean, we should we should really also uh, mourn with Japanese people. I mean, how would you like it if your uncle got kidnapped? Your uncle, your five star chef uncle, gets kidnapped. Next thing you know, Kim Jong Il is eating all this nice five star food in his, in his mansion. You know, I mean, this guy is sick. You have to understand how horrible of a man he was. Anyway, the the horror that he has caused his own people. All right, we we can't stare at all the numbers of North Koreans that have been tortured and killed. We can't look at those numbers and glance at such photos like we're just flipping through a, through a magazine. These are real people. This is not fiction. This is real life. So many have died, and I believe that. With the death of Kim Jong Il, the next stage we're coming into is a mourning period for all the horrors that North Korean people have have gone through. You know, it's it's so evil. You know how you can keep a whole nation under the wrath of God? It's easy. You get them all into idolatry. You keep them trapped under idolatry, not just like. Tell them, hey, you, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you bow down worship to these idols, you get more money. You get more kids. But you cause fear. You use intimidation, domination, manipulation to keep them worshiping idols. That's a guaranteed way to keep the wrath of God on the nation. But here's the a, here's a difference. The people of God have in North Korea, I mean in South Korea, in North Korea as well. There's people of God in North Korea. In South Korea, in America... In other nations, all right, over the last, I, I would say over the last 10 years, John Michael, 
Okay, I can't verify that, but I don't remember much, you know, large prayer movements going on in the 90s for North Korea. Okay. Over the last 10 years, God has raised up his people to pray for North Korea. And I believe this is the reason why we have come to this point where there's a major shift and a change happening right now for this nation. Uh, I believe David Ross uh, is a white guy that uh, served with YWAM Korea, speaks Korean real well. Uh, He shared a vision about how uh, God had never intended Korea to be divided. That God had purposes and plans for this nation, for these people. And that Satan was trying ruthlessly to oppress and to eradicate the identity of the Korean people. And so he, Satan tries to accomplish that through the Japanese occupation. Doesn't succeed. Japan surrenders and falls. What happens? Satan gets right back on it. And where... Where he tried to oppress the South Korean, uh, he tried to oppress the Korean people, and the Korean people united. Well, he said, "Well, why don't we try dividing the people against each other?" So the very people that fought and bled under the Japanese occupation for independence by the Korean War, the start of the Korean War, 1951, they are killing each other. Right? They have no reasons to kill each other. This is their cousins, their brethren. And there was no dividing mark about what made a person North Korean and what made a person South Korean. There was no North or South Korea. There was no distinguishing mark. It was pretty much when the war started, whichever side that you were trapped on, it's whichever side you had to fight for. And uh, David Ross was sharing this vision and that God never intended all this to happen to Korea. And that in God's eyes, even though the Korean War happened and all these people are uh, in the 38th parallel and the Korea is divided, in God's eyes, Korea is still one. Korea is still one people, one country with God's purposes still in mind. God has purposes for this nation. And so, you know, he was uh, encouraging South Korea as a land that has been blessed uh, to really begin to make ready through prayer and through ec- economics to make ready for reunification. You know, he was sharing that uh, a while ago. I went to a North, North Korea prayer meeting about three years ago where I heard this presentation. Uh, there's like a come uh, analogy that he uses, but I can't remember the entire analogy, so I don't want to do, do it injustice. So there's a common, a parsimon. He uses a parsimon and says that, you know, North Korea has a certain kind of come. And South Korea is another kind of come. Anyway, all right. Man, y'all, y'all really, really um, looking at me with like a hundred different opinions right now. I sense like a hundred different opinions about North Korea right now. That's, you know, at least the people in the joint prayer meeting who've been coming out consistently. I mean, you know, I would expect y'all to at least be a little bit more united about What's happening here? All right, people who just came off the plane. There's a whole bunch of people that are from America right now. I see everybody visiting and stuff. I understand you have your own opinion. All right? You just stepped out of America. All right? So I'm sure you have an individual. None of you agree with each other. You have your own opinion. God bless you. But for the people that have been here, you know, throughout the years and we've been praying, you know, we should be together on this. Here, here's the thing. Uh, now that Kim Jong-il is dead, there is a real tension on the peninsula right now. If you watch the news, the tension's real. All right, submarines are in place, naval fleets are in place. You don't know any of this, but the, you know, 
The U.S. government is not going to announce that. But they are, they are getting ready. All right? I bet Okinawa right now is all souped up. I mean, you know, I mean they are ready for full-out war. All right? But they are not going to announce that because they got to play it cool. All right? But there's a tension. There's a real tension. North Korea. All right? This guy, if he wants to flex his muscles, Kim Jong-un, you know, we don't know what he's going to do. They already, you know, supposedly, you know, sank the Shonan warship and shelled Yongpyeong Island. You know, I mean, he's capable of doing anything. You know, and so there's a real tension. The instability and danger that South Korea is in is real. And if you really think about it, if you saw Mission Impossible, <laughs> okay, all the North Korean military really has to do they just have to make one small phone call, and if they have nuclear weapons, nuclear warheads, or even just conventional missiles, will eradicate the city of 11 million people in just a few minutes. I mean, it wouldn't take even 30 minutes for those. I mean, we will not hear. Sirens will go off, and things will start exploding the next moment. I mean, there will just be no way to escape uh, any kind of attack. That's leveled against the city. So the, the tension is real. The danger is real. But our focus cannot remain there. You know, fear and anxiety, they make terrible decision makers. Fear will jack up your clarity of thinking. And if you're focusing on the danger and instability, it's only going to cause more fear and anxiety in your heart. The people of God, we need to focus on God's peace and upon hope. Because the, the peace that we have is real. Even in the face of real tension, that peace does not have to flee. And the hope that we have is real. Why? Because we didn't start praying this past Saturday. Can somebody say amen? I mean, the hope we have is real. We didn't just invent it. We didn't get to get it through prophetic revelation overnight. People in here have been sewing in, fasting and praying. All my college day muscles are gone. Because I've just been fasting into this thing. That and I haven't been exercising as much. <clears throat> Although the tension in Korea right now is real, the purpose and protection of God is real. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's not just real. It's true. You guys heard the teaching on reality versus truth? Man, there's things that are real. The doctor will tell you you have five months to live. That's real. But here's truth. By his stripes, you are healed. God's truth always overtakes reality. But you need, to, you need to have faith in the word of God. You need to have faith in God's promises. You have to have faith in what is true, not just in what is real. Anyway, I mean, that's, that's for people in New Philly that got that. Um, so here, here's the thing, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, although the tension on this peninsula right now is real, the threat is real. All right. Uh, there is no threat of the North Korean military or of the devil that can penetrate 
God's covering. As long as the people of God pray, all we do is pray. All right. Even if a missile got launched, it could be this close to the Yuxan building and God will fall into the water. I just fall into the water. Yeah. It says in Romans 10, 11, anyone who trusts in God will never be put to shame. Amen. Come on. If all of us in here and all the other thousands in Korea right now that are praying. All right. After all these years of prayer and putting our trust in God. This weekend, there's a nuclear launch or there's some crazy missile attack. And all of us die? I'm, I'm going to have some questions for God when I get to heaven. I'm going to be like, God, I thought your word was real. I thought your word was true. What's up? Why am I here right now? I will be really, really upset. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, God could do it, but I'm just saying I will be pretty upset. Because we have been trusting in the Lord. And we, right now, what we need is not panic. We need peace. We need peace to pray. As it says here, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded so that you can pray. We prayed up to here, and it's time to continue to pray until it's complete. When we think clearly and we're praying continually, that's when we can pray and God will position anointed, spirit-filled Christian leaders. In places where they can make strategic decisions for reunification. Who would you rather have? A Mooney? A, a, a Mormon? Hey, America, y'all need to pray, man. Y'all about to have a Mormon get elected into presidency. That is serious. All right, Mormons are not Christians, by the way. Man, y'all need to pray. Okay? Joel Steen doesn't know his theology very well, okay? And so he was a little off on that. All right, this guy Mitt Romney is a Mormon, and at Mormons, they are occultists. They, they have occultic history. They practice all kinds of occultic type of prayers. I mean, there's a demonic power and a stronghold behind Mitt Romney. And I hope this podcast doesn't go out to America too much. It's going to offend a lot of people. But, man, you, you guys need to pray because there's a tipping point right there. All right, man, you, you put Obama back in, all right? Put a while back in, but I don't, you don't want no Mitt Romney. Anyway, we, what would you, would you have a Mooney making decisions for reunification? A shamanist making decisions for reunification? Or a spirit-filled anointed believer? One that has the peace of God, one that has clarity, one that's actually getting inside information via different prophetic words and prayers. I believe the death of Kim Jong-il is a culmination of God's faithfulness to the prayers of all his people. And as Philippians 1.6 says, let us be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. All right, it ain't the day of Christ Jesus yet. End of all things is near. I mean, that's like talking about the end end. Jesus is going to come back. But there is a work, there is a good work that we as a church, we need to see it carried on to completion until he returns. And I am 
convinced through years of being in this, in this country right here, praying and sowing in, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that this is the good work God is doing. Opening up the doors of North Korea, healing the people, bringing radical deliverance, not only for North Korea, but for South Korea. As the reunification takes place, I believe the church culture of South Korea is going to get completely revived, completely reformed. All these suicides, all these things we prayed about tonight, young people and these education systems that are really not working. They're not very efficient. I mean, Korean families are busting their backs to pay for all these hagwons, and they're not very efficient. I mean, we should really be putting, I mean, we already pay tax dollars to, to prop up the schools, and the schools, they, the schools should be teaching. What the, the answer is not hagwons, although I don't want all y'all to go out of business right now. <laughs> but the answer, long term answer can't be hagwons. It's for some of y'all to get accepted into these schools and get recognized as proper teachers, allow you to use English and Korean. You know, some of your schools don't let you use Korean. That's ridiculous. You're a Korean American. You know, you understand all the curse words some little kids are saying. And of course you want to say, say something back to them. Why? Sh- you know, anyway, Korean education system needs to be reformed. And I believe God's going to do all these things through a reunification process. And here's an here's a idea for you, for those who are understand sonship, who have been riding that wave of sonship. North Korea represents a counterfeit sonship. It's Satan's version of sonship. And if somebody ever tells you, hey, hey, the culture of sonship that you guys have at your church, it looks very close to North Korea's system of government. All right, you say, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something right now. What we got going on, all right, what North Korea has is a counterfeit of the real thing that we got going on up in this house. That's what you need to be telling people. Because Satan has formed a counterfeit sonship in North Korea. And, and you know, they call Kim Il-sung father and all these, you know, all these things, you know. But that's what God the Father does. He looks over you. Wherever you go, that's what God does. He provides for you. He is the Jehovah Jireh. Kim Il-sung is not. What has Kim Jong-il done? What have you done for me lately, Kim Jong-il? Nothing. It's all counterfeit. And here's the thing. North Korean people, when they, when they see the, the revelation of the, the real deal, the real sonship, I believe they're going to embrace it. So let me share some, some, uh, some things here. September 2010, Jason Ma, he's a young Chinese-American. Uh, him and Rick Ridings, they gave a prophecy for the wider body of Christ. And they said that 2010 was a year of testing. 2011 will be a year of transition. And 2012 will be a year of completion. So on November 30th, 2010, this is what Jason Ma released. He said, 2011 will mark the end of a season of testing for God's saints of what is in their hearts. Those who have passed the last season of testing will have overcome the temptation of self-exaltation, self-glorification, and self-advancement. God is accelerating his kingdom upon the earth, and he has no time to deal with mixture. Those who have had hidden personal agendas will not transition into the next season of God's glory and movement of the Holy Spirit. 
This is why we have seen massive shaking within leaders in the church and outside the church. Uh, seemingly increasing in the last few years. It has been a season of testing. Is it really for God's glory or for our glory? And Jason continues. He says, those who have cleansed their hands and purified their hearts and have not lifted up their soul to an idol will transition into a season of birthing. There will be many sudden births of new ministries, companies, ventures, movements, and kingdom projects. Finances will not be an issue. God will pour out favor and give the power to produce wealth for those who are obedient to the heavenly vision and call. Funding that seemed impossible in 2010 will be released suddenly and abundantly in 2011. Many new structures, repositioning, and reorganization will happen in 2011 in preparation for the church and what the church will face in 2012. It will be a season of storing up, preparation, and transition into not only what is new, but the next level. Many ministries, companies, callings will be enhanced into the fullness of their callings, and they will have no lack. As I have prayed into 2011, Jason continuing, he says, I felt a great unrest, like a hanging in the balance between two opposing forces at war with one another over the destiny of nations. I saw great political, military, and economic upheaval in specific nations across the earth. By the way, this is before anything happened in Europe. This is before anything happened in the Middle East. November 30th. Nothing happened in Egypt. Nothing happened in any of the Middle East countries by this time. All right. 2011, for those who are not following the Lord's will, will be one of uncertainty, chaos, and confusion for many North Americans. I saw many confused with which political side, which political party to side with. I saw violence erupt in different cities and more loss of jobs across the nation. I then saw North and South Korea pitted against one another like two opponents in a sporting ring. And now being the time for the church, not only in South Korea, but North Korea to cry out in repentance, mercy and deliverance uh, for its sins. I feel a deep spiritual connection with South Korea and North America. Both are deeply connected politically, militarily, economically, and spiritually. There needs to be a deep repentance for the sins, hidden sins of suicide, abortion, and injustice in both nations that has not been dealt with. First in the church and then in society. Without repentance and turning away from wickedness and the church desperately crying out in one united voice, I'm afraid that there will be what I saw in a vision while preaching to 10,000 in South Korea early November military explosions in South Korea and the possibility of a terrible world war. But if the church will pray in both South Korea and North America in repentance and mercy, I saw instead a spiritual explosion of revival and a new wave of missions to the nations. The Middle East is also key to this upheaval and unrest in 2011. Oh, come on. Jason, you were on. You're, you're pretty on. The peace of Jerusalem will be dependent upon the prayers of its allied nations more than ever. The church will recognize even more the importance of praying for Israel's peace and protection in 2011. So was 2011 a year of transition? Was it a year of political upheaval? Were there more loss of jobs? Oh, there were a lot of loss of jobs. In fact, there were so many lost people unemployed. They had nothing to do. They started occupying Wall Street. And cities all across America and stanking it up so much that the gov- government had to send in police and pepper spray them and stuff. I never, there was a lot of uh, this uh, uh, upheaval. Let me ask you a question. Was 2011 a year of transition? 
In 2011, we had in Korea, okay, let me see if I got this right, Doug, Park Tae-jun. Okay, Park Tae-jun, he's the POSCO founder. All right, he passed away. You guys know all over the world, very big business person, Steve Jobs, passed away in 2011. All right, and he gave his mantle to Tim Cook. All right, so those are two major transitions in 2011. All right, uh, in the church, we had a lot of transitions, depending on where you are. But one big name is Pastor uh, uh, Ha Young-jo, right? The founding pastor of Onuri. All right, he suddenly passed away, and Onuri has now been in a transition period. Torch as well has been in a transition because it, he was the president of Torch as well. Uh, but we have the death of several dictators as well, several wicked men. Beginning on May 2nd, Osama bin Laden. For many years, you know, Bush would have given to get him. And then we have a black guy who has a similar name as Osama. He ends up getting him. In Pakistan, of all places. October 20th, you have another cruel dictator. You know Gaddafi? You don't know Muammar Gaddafi's history? He bombed Pan Am flight, um, whatever, 154, whatever. <laughs> the Pan Am flight that blew up, killed all these Americans? That was, that was Gaddafi. He is, a, he is a terrible dictator. He's a little crazy, too. And not only with the toppling of all these Middle East nations and the transition that they had to face, all right, right before the year ends, I just feel like God's put like a big exclamation point on this year and said, check out the year of transition. North Korea is in, 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 taking part in that right now. Bam! Kim Jong-il gone. So I, I believe Jason Ma was on to something. He's pointing, it's, this is all pointed to 2012. And in 2012, there are things hidden that God's going to reveal. Things that have been pre-prepared through testing and through, through, you know, whatever. God's prepared certain leaders to rise up. Um, Rick Writings, he wrote November 2010. He said, uh, the first week of October 2010, I was speaking for a conference in Korea. The Lord gave me a vision of two strategic windows of mercy that demonic forces were trying to close. I saw a window of mercy over Korea, and I sensed that the enemy would soon try to draw North and South Korea into war. At the same time, I also saw a window of mercy open over Israel and over the Middle East. There, too, Satan was trying to close this window and bring forth a major Middle East conflict. Uh, this is his own personal opinion. He says, my strong sense was that Satan wanted to use war in Korea and war in the Middle East to cut off a generation called to the mighty missions thrust. Just as World War I was used to abort the student volunteer missions movement of that time in history. He says, I sensed that somehow it was key for the Koreans to cry out on behalf of Israel and the Middle East in order to see their own window of mercy stay open. As intercessors across the globe began to plead for these windows of mercy to remain open and to blow shofars, the Lord sent a mighty angel to intervene. 
He stood between Korea and the Middle East and with bulging muscles pushed the windows of mercy back open again. This is also an important transition time for the Far East to unashamedly take their leadership role in world missions. Uh, He mentions Korea, China, Japan, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, Taiwan, Philippines. I felt the Lord made me to understand that three major keys in this era of missions, seeing a major harvest in 1040 nations, are Korea, China, and Indonesia. If Korea presses in for their window of mercy to remain open, they will continue to emerge as a forerunner nation in the areas of intercession and missions across the 1040 window. I believe that a lot of what these uh, prophetic type of people or leaders are saying, they're on to something. There is a purpose. And God is unre- uh, unveiling that purpose to Asia right now. And I believe that Korea has a very important, crucial role to play, especially in this missions work, this missions thrust that God wants to bring, this new wave of missions. And here's what makes me kind of sad is Korea is blessed. You know that? Korea was one of the first G20 countries to come out of the recession. Right after 2008, it was the first one to recover. And Korea's economy has been really strong since. And it's continuing to grow. You know, my mother-in-law was here and she kept just, just kept on saying how much Korea had just been blessed and how the city is prospering from the last uh, time she was here in in 2008. Korea is blessed to be a blessing. And as North Korea opens up, we must pray that the great concern of the South Korean people is not simply their personal savings account or their country's economy. We must pray that they will have a great love for their fellow brethren to go back and to remember That these people that they fought against in the Korean War were their fellow family members. They were their neighbors. They were their cousins. Cousins, family members, friends that were unjustly torn apart from each other. Because of Satan's agenda to oppress and to divide this nation. South Koreans must understand that God is blessing Korea right now. South Korea in stark contrast to what's going on in Europe and in America. And the reason God's doing that is so that South Korea can be a blessing to North Korea as reunification draws near. You know, we got independent confirmation through a friend of ours that we met a few weeks ago that we we had heard that President Lee Myung-bak that He's not maybe he's not like necessarily a spirit filled, you know, Christian, you know, whatever this means, <laughs> spirit filled. Uh, but he had actually sought out the council of spirit filled leaders in the church right now. So uh, uh, you guys know um, uh, was a female, Cindy Jacobs. All right, so he he called in Cindy Jacobs, and in getting Cindy Jacobs, he called in Cheon. All right, and so Che had actually shared this a few years ago, but I never got an independent confirmation that this actually happened. I thought maybe, you know, he had met. I don't know what I was thinking. I just didn't believe him. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but he said that he met with Mimimbak, and Mimimbak 
receive prayer and prophecy from Christian leaders like Cindy Jacobs and, and Cheon. And I think they, they've met more than once. And uh, Im Myung-bak believes in his heart that Korea is right now going through a season of prosperity. And the purpose for that is for the reunification of Korea. That's why he's trying to push for this uh, reunification tax. And it's very unpopular, but you know, he really believes that he has been called at this hour uh, to be a blessing and to help heal the land of North Korea. And so we, when our friend came a few weeks ago, we asked him if that's true. And he told us some inside stories, you know, without going deep into it. That, you know, things like that have been happening. And that Im Myung-bak is pretty serious about, about listening to what these spirit-filled believers have to say. I mean, we're living in a, in a crucial hour right now. And I believe that all year long, what our, uh, at least what New Philly has encountered is the witchcraft spirit. If you don't know what the witchcraft spirit is, we're not talking about occultic, you know, hocus-pocus witchcraft. We're talking about Christian witchcraft. Because what you don't know is which, the witchcraft spirit that exists in occultism, Wicca and black magic and white witchcraft, whatever, right? That same spirit exists in the church. And the way you identify a witchcraft spirit is you, you just remember three words. Manipulation, domination, and intimidation. Okay? Manipulation says, I'm going to trick you to get do, do things my way. Domination says, I'm going to make you do things my way. And intimidation says, I'm going to scare you to do things my way. Okay. All three methods, God's spirit does not employ. The devil pushes, the spirit leads. All right, and so does manipulation, domination, and intimidation exist in the church? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go check out the story behind the latest Korean-American church split. If you can't find one, go to, go to Virginia. <laughs> sorry. There's a lot in Virginia, though. I'm sorry to say. There's some messy stuff happening in New York, man. Crazy stuff happening in New York as well. And what we have found is the witchcraft spirit is really strong all over the Korean Peninsula. And in North Korea, it take, it's taken on a certain form. It's a very overt form. It's an easy-to-find form because it's in your face. You know, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-un, they control the whole country. And they pretty much intimidate you to do things their way. But in South Korea, the similar witchcraft uh, spirit exists here as well. Why? Because we study the education system. You can see what's happening, well, how it's affecting the kids. You look at the suicide rates. You know, why are so many privileged, educated young people killing themselves? Why is the number one killer in South Korea continually suicide? You know, why, why can't it be car accidents for one year? Why can't it be cancer for another year? Why is it consistently suicide? You know, and so we see the witchcraft spirit at work even in the human trafficking system. For those who have uh, gone deep into ever since watching Nefarious, if you study human trafficking industry, Korea is the leading provider of prostitutes in the world. How do you get educated women that have a college degree or is about to get a college degree, how do you get them to go into prostitution? How are these Korean women not running away? Why don't they have the sense to run away? Okay? 
All right. Why is it Pastor Eddie goes to uh, America, talks to uh, American police sheriffs, and they consistently say when we crack down on these brothels, all we find in there are Korean women. Boston, San Francisco. Why is it consistent? Because the witchcraft spirit is used by pimps to keep women under bondage. And it's once again a counterfeit sonship. Because these pimps make these girls, call them, or think of them as the father. I provide for you. I care. I'm the only one that cares for you. Your family doesn't, they have abandoned you. They're ashamed of you. I'm the only one you can look to now for your sustenance. And so these women, they seriously believe what these pimps believe. Well, but these but pimps have told them. If you, if you don't know, uh, listen to John Michael's message. He, he has some really good research that he presented. Uh, that's from our, what was it, October? October joint prayer meeting. Yeah, and I believe that that was real key. When that, when that was released, I mean, it got everyone in here praying with precision. And I believe that as we prayed with that precision, we started confronting a demonic spirit. A demonic spirit that has choices and volition and wisdom. And this demonic spirit, we, we started encountering it and we kept on going through with it. And I believe that the death of Kim Jong-il is a sign that this stronghold is finally breaking. I mean, it's the first sign. You know, there comes a time where you resist demonic powers. And you resist and you pray and you pray and you pray and then God says it's done. And I believe with the witchcraft spirit, there's a shift that's happening right now. You know, we want to come to a time where this whole nation is breathing freedom. I mean, young people, I mean, young people here at, in the education system, it seems like they have less freedom than people who live in Pyongyang sometimes. That is such a sad truth. You know, there are going to come a day where, where young people can pursue being a B-boy and they're not shunned. You know, they, they can come on uh, America's best, uh, it can't be America's, I got to be Korea's best dance crew. Like a show like Korea's best dance crew could actually happen in Korea. You know, by the way, the world's best B-boys are Koreans, you know. Consistently, they're the Koreans that are winning these B-boy championships. Why? Because they're good at it. God's given this country a gift for breakdancing. <laughs> but no Korean parent wants to embrace that. So we will never see a Korean best dance uh, you know, crew show right now. But I believe in the future we will. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You know, Superstar K is going to be more, much more entertaining. <laughs> anyway, man. All right. Uh, I'm going to lead you on in some prayer right now. When you close your eyes right now. First Peter 4, 7, once again, says the end of all things is near. And I believe that through your faithful prayers, church, the end of all things as we know it in North Korea is now coming to an end. Indeed, that end is near and it's drawn near. And the death of this man is the first sign that we are already stumbling upon. The opening of the doors for North Korea. Therefore, be clear minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. 
Brothers and sisters, I want us to take this time and uh, I want us to pray that in 2012, that the Lord will disarm the North Korean military with the peace of God. And that right now we disallow, we want, I want you to pray to disallow all escalation and provocation by the North Korean military. And you might be like, well, what does that do? Well, it does a lot because you have authority. Because the Bible says you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That is a seat of authority. Christ is seated on a throne. And if you're seated with him in that throne, that means that when you make decrees, it will be established on the earth. That means when you pray a specific thing, God will send forth his angels to execute that word. Disallow all escalation and provocation. And in 2012... Pray that all nuclear weapons will be dissolved and surrendered and that the North Korean army will be no more. Because not only is the North Korean army an army, but it is a place of bondage for one million young people that have to do eight to ten years of military service. It's a place of bondage. And God wants to set those young men free. Let's take this time. I want us to pray specifically for the North Korean military. All right. No provocations. Disallow any escalation. And pray that the North Korean military, as we know it, will be dissolved with all of their nuclear weapons. Pray right now. Come on. Yeah, come on.